When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I am Chad Withrow. You are looking live right now at our beautiful, luxurious 6th and Peabody studio with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. One thing you're not seeing, though, shouldn't call him a thing, a person you're not seeing, is Jonathan Hutton. He's out today. Well-deserved day off. He'll be back with us on Monday. But what Jonathan's absence means is a reunion with my guy. Armando Salguero of Outkick.com, head NFL writer. He's worn many hats over his illustrious career, covering the NFL for outlets such as ESPN and others. And he joins us right now looking great, looking tan, looking fit, right outside of the Orange Bowl in Miami. Armando, welcome into the show. So happy to have you on board again on this Friday. Chad, it's it's a pleasure to fill in for Jonathan's 1480 SAT score with my strong 520. I love it, man. Let me be the man of the people, the man of the, you know, the lesser studied people anyway. And I'll be happy to represent those folks with terrible takes. We're just getting rid of the intelligence. We're bringing our hard hat to work here, Armando. We're going about our job. You know, this is very much uh, the day for the working person out there is what you're saying. And self-deprecation is fun, but you're obviously very smart. We're thrilled to have you on board today. Excited to hear from you on uh, all sorts of topics, not just in the NFL. There's one topic out there that certainly pertains to football, uh, but not the NFL. And that's what's been going on at Northwestern. Um, and, so, and I want to start there because more news at Northwestern today as they had to fire their baseball coach, Jim Foster. Derek Gregg is the athletic director at Northwestern. He's a former Vanderbilt wide receiver from back in the day. He's been on the job since 2021. He spoke today via press release about firing Jim Foster, a man he hired in 2022, that in less than two full years on the job, Apparently, this guy was so bad that he had multiple players and coaches try to come to the AD, Derek Gregg, to talk about how bad it was playing under Foster in this program after Gregg hired him from Army to be the Northwestern baseball coach. And according to one report, Gregg would not meet with them, would not meet with the players, would not meet with the coaches to hear them out on this. And now because of reports about his bullying on the roster with the team, and, oh, by the way, they had 16 transfers out of the program right after the season ended. Suddenly now he fires his baseball coach. Now this comes in light of what happened with, with Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald was fired by the president, Michael Schill. He said that in the release. This is my decision and my decision alone. So he usurped his own athletic director to make the decision he thought was best for the university. The decision that's best right now for Derek Gregg is to come out of whatever hole he's under right now and speak. Either do that or resign. This is a dumpster fire situation for Northwestern Athletics right now. I get that you didn't hire Pat Fitzgerald and you didn't oversee everything going on within the program and that your president 
decided to fire the football coach without your knowledge, but you hired the baseball coach. And what leaders do in a time like this is they speak up. They take the blame for whatever they're to blame for. They talk about how things are going to get better, and they inspire confidence from people. Armando, I'm seeing this story with Northwestern right now. There's not a lot of confidence being inspired in a number of areas with all of this. Yeah, so, Chad, what leaders did in 1776 was to speak up. What leaders do in 2023 is to lawyer up. Yeah, good good point. Or CYA. They CYA in 2023. That is why you you mentioned the – he spoke the uh, press release. Yeah, because his mouth, his tongue, his lips are locked down by the litigants and the lawyers. And they are preventing him from saying anything, and wisely so, because it's kind of weird what's going on at Northwestern. Already, you know – Fitzgerald has said, I'm going to get a lawyer and I'm going to protect my rights. Ding, 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 ding. Lawyers, lawyers, lawyers coming on, coming on. You shut up when lawyers are involved. You shut up and you don't say anything because um, chances are good. People at Northwestern who fired Uh, Jim Foster, who fired Pat Fitzgerald, were at least somehow aware of what was going on before those firings were concerned. And so they're protecting themselves and they are protecting the, the, you know, the institution. I will say this. Uh, You mentioned Jim Foster's previous stop as the baseball coach. He was at Army. He's charged with supposedly, allegedly bullying at Northwestern. I get the feeling that stuff that he got away with at Army doesn't fly in Illinois' Northwestern. I, I just, I just get that sense. Um, there is a also a charge, one charge of. Um, making an inappropriate comment to a female staffer. I don't know what that is. That's a very vague term. I'd like to know more on what the inappropriate comment was before I I make a decision or have an opinion on whether the guy indeed made an inappropriate comment or what we have is kind of like uh, a comment made every day that is now being painted as inappropriate. Armando, those are all good points. I think what could be defined as bullying at Northwestern could be a pat on the back at West Point, right? That there, there is a big difference there with those two schools and the way things are done. So I could definitely see that being some part of it with Jim Foster. I, I'm not one to say, hey, this guy needs to be fired and, and Derek Gregg, the AD, but he does need to get in front of people and speak and answer questions sometime very soon. I, I would hope he does that. It's funny you mentioned lawyers, Armando, because four of our top five headlines of the day all directly involve lawyers uh, when we get into these. I do want to ask you, though, just in general about Pat Fitzgerald and the way that was handled by the school president. It felt to me like they were kind of out of the woods when they had the Friday news dump about the two-week suspension. Now, then some details got out in the media, but I think that Northwestern could have just held strong 
take in the PR hit for a week or two, and if they really wanted to keep their coach, they probably could have and gotten out of this. But instead, three days later, they decide to fire Fitzgerald. What, what did you make of that? Weakness, cowardice, uh, trying to you know put out the fire before it turned into something much bigger. And my question for Northwestern is this. Do you have solid evidence after what was apparently a very short period of investigation to know that you know that you know that what Pat Fitzgerald did is a fireable offense because he left campus on that Friday believing that he was in fact, in fact, he negotiated a multiple week suspension. He agreed to that. So did he do something else on Saturday and Sunday? Or what information suddenly came up on Saturday and Sunday that now the offense goes from two weeks suspension to you're fired? Or is it just that you got weak need and decided, <laughs> oh my God, we just got to run from this fast as we can, regardless of how much we know or don't know about the facts? Uh, I'm right there with you. Another story that will involve lawyers, if this continues to happen, is what's going on with Disney and ESPN. Bob Iger, the CEO, he spoke to CNBC yesterday, and one of his quotes was, quote, Disney's TV properties may not be core to the business anymore, and mentioned ESPN directly as something that may be spun off and sold to someone else. Armando, you, you worked at the Worldwide Leader at one point. When we see the way thing, the way media is trending right now, those comments from Bob Iger, they don't shock me. Here's one scenario I do want to throw out there to you, though. What if a league gets involved in owning ESPN? Let's say the NFL. The NFL, if the business isn't working out as well owning the NFL network, what if they had a stake? Not complete ownership, but if they bought into a new ESPN that was sold out from under Disney or the NBA, who ESPN loves talking about right now, with their partnership. I'm curious to see the bidders that will be out there to possibly purchase ESPN if it comes on the open market. Right. So years ago, ESPN was a license to print money. It really was. And that's how people that, you know, are very talented, but, you know, are doing things that other people are doing for much less money, are making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars per year doing it for ESPN. Uh, some of them $10 million per year, if we're talking about Stephen A. Smith. So it is obviously a business that if it were on the market, there's gonna be takers. I get that because someone will always believe I can take that business that is known to print money and do better, even if subscriptions are down, even if viewership is down, whatever. The Personally, I believe that the reason for ESPN's subscriptions and um, viewership issues of the last, I would say, half decade are twofold. Number one, the pandemic. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, sports suffered during the pandemic oh, yeah. and everything revolving around sports suffered during the pandemic. And number two, 
was this embrace of politics and and uh, political stances. Once upon a time, people tuned in to sports to watch sports. They tuned into sports to check out from reality. ESPN went with the, I'm going to, as ESPN, use my platform to tell you what to think beyond who should, you know, dribble the ball up the court and who who the open receiver was. We're going to tell you, we're going to tell you what your social conscience should be doing. And when that happened, a lot of folks checked out. And I don't think you can come back from that. So that will obviously forever affect ESPN. And but I will say this: if someone comes online with the money to say, "Okay, um, ESPN, all sports, nothing but sports," that will raise the price of ESPN. If if Disney is ever, you know, of the mind to sell it, right there with you. A sad and a bad story for Georgia. It's been a rough offseason after back-to-back national championships for that program. Victoria Bowles, who was a survivor of the fatal crash that killed Chandler LaCroix, who was a football staffer, recruiting department staffer, and Devin Willock, a, a Georgia Bulldogs football player. Those, those two people died. Victoria Bowles survived, but she's now entered into a civil lawsuit against the university where Armando, she alleges – the university blatantly lied about some of the specifics around the crash, including the university having prior knowledge of four speeding violations and two super speeder violations in this university registered vehicle that LaCroix was driving. The university also said she should not have had the right to drive it that night because once recruiting responsibilities are done, they can't have the vehicles anymore. She's saying she has texts that say otherwise, that the, the university knew, and the athletic department knew that she had the vehicle that night. This is a rough situation and one that Kirby Smart's going to have to answer a lot of questions about with all of the traffic violations and everything else going on at Georgia. SEC Media Days is next week. He's going to get a few questions. He's going to get questions. How many answers are we going to get, Chad? Not many. Not many at all. <laughs> Why? He's going to get a lot of words, not a lot of answers. A lot of words are going to be said. We're going to get a lettuce salad full of words that mean nothing and include the fact that I can't comment on ongoing litigation. Uh, ask me, do you have football questions? Yeah. And that's what we're going to get. And you know why? Because you got some competing, you got some competing facts and somebody's lying. This whole thing, all I know about this whole thing is, is twofold. Number one, the 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 crash apparently happened at 104 miles per hour. Have you ever seen those those social media um, uh, tapes or films or whatever they call oh, them yeah. now, where a car crashes against something at a certain speed at 30 miles per hour? Hey, it's bad, but you know it's not that bad. At 40 miles per hour, not eh, so great. At 70 miles per hour, you have a crap salad. Can you imagine at 104 miles per hour what happens to a car and the bodies inside that car? It's devastating. It's catastrophic. It's 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 like <sighs> I can't imagine. Yeah, it's awful. And 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 
a drunk person allegedly doing this at 104 miles per hour and a college kid allegedly doing this at 100. You know, I was a college kid once. I once took a car to 133 miles per hour. That was the, the I wasn't drunk. That was, and by the way, the high, Florida Highway Patrol stopped me. Mm. Uh, true story. They stopped me. I was doing 133 miles an hour. I didn't get a ticket. Um, we'll have to get back to that story here a little bit later. That That's too good of a tease to not hear yeah. the rest of that one, how, how you worked your way out of that ticket at 133 yeah. miles per hour. Uh, one other point I want to make about this story, too, though, Armando, is another part of this is Jalen Carter is a part of this lawsuit also being sued because he was the one racing uh, when this fatal crash happened. Jalen Carter, of course, first-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. Also today, we'll get more into this later, but Tennessee football received their notice from the NCAA on further punishment. And it's a hefty, hefty fine. The biggest in the history of the NCAA. $8 million the program is fined, but no bowl ban moving forward. We'll discuss later about what exactly that means. Tim Brando, another legend like Armando, coming up next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We're back, hot mic with Hutton and Withrow on this Friday afternoon. Hope everyone's having a great day. Thanks for listening on one of our radio stations, for watching on YouTube, on Twitter, wherever you're taking in the show today. We appreciate you. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back with us on Monday. Right now, we've got Armando Salguero co-hosting for the entire day. What a treat for us from Outkick.com. Covers all things NFL. Does a great job there. You can read all of his work at outkick.com. One big NFL note I wanted to get with you uh, is about a big man in the NFL. That's Quentin Williams of the Jets. Four years, $96 million extension, Armando. Um, that's a payday for that young man and a, a pivotal piece of what the Jets are trying to do on defense. So they get it done before training camp, and there's now going to be no drama whatsoever with the New York Jets this year, right? None. Zero drama. Zero drama. Um, the... The hard knocks thing, Armando, with, with the Jets, right? It was just so easy, and it's the right choice to make for the NFL because they could draft one of those teams that, that fit all the criteria where they had to force hey, them here. to do it. So it makes the most sense. Tim Brando with us, Fox Sports, at Tim Brando on Twitter. Tim, how are you? How are things down in Louisiana right now? I'm, I'm wonderful, Armando. <laughs> Armando's there. Good to be with you guys. How Tim, are you? Tim's there. This is amazing. I feel like we're all three talking to three different spots the entire time. Oh boy, Tim, I did want to Life start. Is good. I, I wanted to start Life with this with you, and that is the the layoffs that took place at ESPN, a, a place you know something about. Now, yesterday, Bob Iger, the CEO, was saying the linear part of the Disney company may no longer be of core value to Disney. And now they're wanting to spin off ESPN, possibly, and sell ESPN. Um, one thing I noted was there are a lot of really people, people that are really good at their jobs that were laid off in yeah. this last go-around yeah. at ESPN. What does all this tell you about the business and about their business? Oh, well, let me, let me begin by saying, let me preface everything by saying that it's bad for everyone in the sports television business when layoffs occur no matter where they occur, okay, it's, it's sad. It's not good. It means fewer jobs, which translates to fewer opportunities. And in, in some 
careers that might not be able to rebound from those kinds of things happening if it happens on their life calendar at the wrong time. Uh, our business is fragile even when it's healthy, if you know what I mean. Uh, that's just the way it is. We're a contract-to-contract industry. Those of us that are in front of the camera, that's just the way it is. Now, for those that are behind the camera and, and those that are making us look good, producers and directors, associate producers, ADs, those people have been fired in the past too or or have been laid off. That's the better term, I, I guess. But those people, many of them, uh, were part of the 2013 purge that took place. And I grew up with those guys, and they were production assistants, many of them, uh, when they were starting right out of college. That was maybe the only job they had ever had. And when they had their careers taken away from them in their late 50s, they would have been, say, my age or a little younger. They would have been maybe 55 to 58. Uh, most of them had to find another industry to get into. Some of them decided to uh, go into radio. Some of them decided to uh, become professors. Uh, the late Barry Sachs did that. Uh, he was working at Quinnipiac when, when he passed away suddenly uh, this past year. It was a devastating loss for those of us that remember him, uh, his passing. But a lot of other great, I mean great, production people that helped make ESPN what it was were let go unceremoniously uh, in their, their layoffs uh, 10 years ago. This one is a Disney Corporation layoff. Um, ESPN as a, you know, if you look at the financials, and I do keep up with these things, I do. It's, it's my business. Uh, and I care about a lot of those people. As I said, many of them are friends. Some of the broadcasters are colleagues that I stay in touch with. And um, uh, some of the younger ones are guys that I've mentored. So I'm in contact with them. and. Many of them are worried, um, but but when you see a, a major corporation, a large corporation making these kinds of cuts with the understanding that uh, they, they bought all of that property from 20th Century Fox when Fox sold off really everything except, um, and, and, and including the RSNs, they sold those too, you might recall, which is another big story in, in sports business these days. But uh, Fox is now in the news business, you know, Fox News and in the sports business and network television business, live event te television uh, celebrating its 30th year of existence, uh, 1994, when it began, when they got the NFC package away from CBS. Um, but that's really Fox is a very small company by comparison to uh, Disney. Uh, it was once very large. It's now pretty small. But when you look at ESPN's portion of the Disney Corporation, they've been a moneymaker. You know, they've done really very well. And so when you see these kinds of, uh, of uh, corporate cuts of a place that um, has, for the most part, operated in the black, uh, it's, you know, it's sad. It's sad for a lot of people in the, in the television industry and specifically the sports television industry. That all being said, that all being said, uh, let me just say what, what happened and how they went about uh, letting those people go was even worse, in my opinion, because some people that are part of established shows that are successful shows like College Game Day and like their NBA finals team that included Jeff Van Gundy, those were shocking to me.
shocking that those guys, people like David Pollock, uh, LaFonso Ellis uh, on the college basketball side, and certainly um, uh, Jeff Van Gundy on the NBA. Yeah, those were three of the names that surprised a lot of people. Surprised a lot of people when Pat Fitzgerald got fired three days after the university said he was going to be suspended for two weeks in the middle of summer. Uh, should they have gone that route with Pat Fitzgerald? Until I see another source besides the Northwestern student newspaper. <laughs> follow me? Yeah. Until I see another source besides the Northwestern student newspaper, I'm going to just say that something is really rotten in Denmark. And if if Pat Fitzgerald had to go after, let's see, fri- on a Friday, he was gone for what? Uh, two weeks. He got a two-week suspension during a time in which most college football coaches actually have downtime. Okay. So he wouldn't have been doing anything anyway. But it went from two weeks to a firing in, in just what, a few days? Because the president didn't like the pushback that he got from the student newspaper. I'm sorry. Uh, that doesn't hold water with me. It doesn't. Uh, a lot more will come out. I think uh, the fact that, and I'm going to say this, Pat Fitzgerald is a friend. In full disclosure, he's someone I've respected since his days as a player going back to the mid-90s, of course, when uh, he took Northwestern to the Rose Bowl under Gary Barnett. Uh, not many people could have done what he did in his 17 seasons uh, there in, at Northwestern. And yeah, if he was asleep at the switch and he did not know that this kind of hazing was taking place as described in the newspaper's account, in the student newspaper's account, then yeah, he, he, he deserves to be fired. But I would have issues if I, if I am on the board of regions at Northwestern with my new president, if he felt suddenly that it went from two weeks on Friday to worthy of firing on Monday with no explanation. There's been zero explanation as to why that changed other than and this is all we can do from 30,000 feet, is we notice a president under siege who decides to cower to those that are coming at him on social media and in the student newspaper. To me, if the coach has to go, I'm going to suggest the president needs to go too. You're listening to Hot Mike. Tim Brando is on with us at Fox Sports. The dulcet tones of Tim Brando after we got all that <laughs> earlier uh, technical <laughs> issues uh, figured out. Tim, so growing up in Miami, believe it or not, uh, I I paid attention to the Big 12, particularly in November when mm-hmm. Nebraska and Oklahoma would play every year for the right to come right. to the Orange Bowl and, you know, obviously compete for a national championship, sometimes compete for – the ability to have the Hurricanes beat them up a little bit. so <laughs> or, or Bobby Bowden Seminoles, one or the other, right? One of the two, <laughs> yes. Florida football comes to town. Yeah. So, yeah. But I look at the Big 12 now, and it doesn't feel the same. And next year, when Oklahoma and Texas leave, it really isn't going to feel the same. What do you make of the future of the Big 12? It couldn't be better. It could not be better. See, I, I think like uh, we sometimes say politics is local. Uh, well, in, in the Big 12 and, and especially in their footprint, when you lose two of the biggest brands in college football, which Oklahoma and Texas are, 
Armando, they were predicted to be dead and buried. There were a lot of pundits that said, oh, they they could be extinguished. No way will they survive. Plus, they were losing their commissioner. Bob Bowlesby had said, I'm checking out. I'm leaving. Well, they hire a guy from NASCAR, Brett Yarmark, who knows what he's doing. He aggressively goes after four programs all on the uptick. And one that brings not just a national following, but an international following like BYU, who had left one league, the Mountain West, and went independent. They said, you know what? We can we can exist. We are, we're just going to be an independent contractor and ske- schedule as many games as we can. I think that the additions of Cincinnati uh, to go along with UCF and Houston and BYU, those four programs, no, neither one of them, none of them are either Texas or OU, but they have more than just resuscitated interest in Big 12 football. They got a television deal for their rank and file membership that exceeds the television deal they had with Oklahoma and Texas in it. They're getting $7 million more million annual, annually with those four than they did with Oklahoma and Texas. The losers in the Oklahoma-Texas deal leaving the Big 12 are Oklahoma and Texas. Neither of them are ready for the SEC. Oklahoma is going to get boat raced in virtually every game they play their first year in the SEC. And Texas, a program that has been back, well, wait a minute, are they back for the last decade and a half? They have had three coaches since 2009 have losing seasons. Three, three. That's not just one coach running them into the ground and the program not recovering. Texas is the favorite in the Big 12 Conference, Armando, this year. They'll have trouble winning nine games. Hell, they had a losing season a year ago. When you look at the situation at Oklahoma, a program that really struggled, I mean really struggled last year, they couldn't beat Kansas State. And Kansas State is probably, in my view, the best team in the Big 12 as we start up this season. I don't see Texas winning the league, and I don't see Oklahoma win. I see them limping into the SEC and getting their clocks cleaned once they go in. The Big 12 is now the third best conference in college football. I don't think there's any debate about it, none whatsoever. And uh, depending on what the Pac-12 can or cannot do, they may get rich with teams like Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State between now and the time the new CFP deal is done. So the Big 12 is in great shape. No, they don't have those two big brands but they are in great shape. For all the Texas and Oklahoma you. fans, you can get with Tim Brando at Tim Brando on Twitter. <laughs> Always a great guest with us. Tim, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Really appreciate you. My pleasure, fellas. Yeah, when those teams go on the road in the Big 12, they're going to have quite a welcoming committee this year. Thanks, Tim. When yeah. we come back, Armando Salguero had an exclusive with Cole Beasley. Plus, he's going to rank his guys that have a prove-it year coming up. That's next on Hot Mike. We're back on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I'm Chad Withrow. Hutton will be back with us on Monday. I think I'm going to come up with a different adjective to describe our special guest co-host, Armando Salguero, every segment. This time I'll say esteemed special guest, Armando Salguero of Outkick.com, joining us uh, via, it's not satellite, it's uh, via Zoom. Uh, Back in the day, it was always joining us via satellite from somewhere else, but 
Joining us at a place that's not Nashville is Armando Salguero. Armando, what do you think about the, the adjective esteemed to describe you? I think it's better than he stoned. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I mean, bro, whatever you want to say about me is probably way too um, beyond the praise that I merit. I don't, so, I don't believe that at all. Just, Trust me, I'm married. I know. Hey, you even so, you even worked in a, a drug reference there, which is perfect segue uh, to your exclusive with Cole Beasley because he refused uh, to take a vaccination, the drug, let's say, and because yeah. of that, there were uh, there were some penalties, I guess, to, to be had possibly with how he was retreated. What what did you learn, Armando, in your piece that that's up at Outkick with Cole Beasley? Well, so it's basically confirmation of what we know, right? Which is when players, NFL players mostly, because that's who I deal with mostly, um, when they have an issue that is controversial uh, and the team uh, has an issue with that controversial issue, the idea is don't be a distraction. And however way that the team can possibly shut that down or, you know, put a curtain in front of it or whatever they're going to do. Behind the curtain, however, Cole Beasley was saying that, you know, his first year in Buffalo in 2019, he found his love for football again. He loved it so much. In 2020, amid the pandemic, he just had a great season, perhaps his best in the NFL. But in 2021, when the NFL mandated that the new vaccines come out be something that players use. And Cole Beasley was one of many players that didn't want to do that. It didn't bode well for him amongst the leadership of the Buffalo Bills, not in the locker room amongst the leadership. And I'm assuming he's talking about coaches and, you know, the, the, the front office. Uh, it was uncomfortable for him. And he didn't feel like it was right, but, you know, he had to stand up for himself, he felt like. So that was what he was talking about in that interview. Also, Cole Beasley is not retiring. He's got a, at 34 years old, he's got a workout on the 21st, which is next, what, next Friday. So my guess is next Friday we'll be hearing Cole Beasley, how he did it in that workout with a team that he didn't want to share my personal belief my speculation is the new york giants and you can read that story again outkick.com good work by armando in that one in his conversation with cole beasley armando let's get into your top five prove it year prospects so this is not just players on this list for the upcoming 2023 nfl season let's go five to one of who needs to prove it this year. Let's start with number five for you. Yeah, first of all, I feel like uh, there should be a drum roll or something like that here. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's number five. The question with Jimmy Garoppolo has always been, is he going to be healthy enough to actually play and help his team? In 2019, he was that, and he helped his team get to the Super Bowl. But since then, he's been, you know, made of glass, basically. And 
he reported to the Raiders after signing a contract and he was injured and had a shoulder injury that required surgery. So Jimmy Garoppolo, a problem. Can he get on the field and stay there? That's the question with him this year. I love that one. Um, I'll play game show host here, Armando, and I'll kind of reveal what's behind the next door on this one, and then you can react to it. On Armando's list of prove-it-year prospects, number four, we open up that number four box, and it reveals one Kirk Cousins, who is the subject of a Netflix documentary that many people are talking about. I have not checked it out yet, but he is one of the quarterbacks featured on quarterback He's also featured on your list of a guy who needs to prove it, Armando. Love him as a person. Love him for his character. Love him for his personality and leadership. But the Minnesota Vikings who share this love have decided we're not going to extend you this year. You're on your final year, Kirk Cousins. You need to show us that you merit a new contract next year. That is unheard of for a quarterback that typically has thrown for over 30,000 yards in his career or whatever. So Kirk Cousins, you play well, you're a starter in the NFL next year. You don't play well, (laughs) your future is unclear. The next one on the list, uh, to me, is is a no-brainer, and I'm glad that he appears on your list. Number three on Armando's list of prove-it-year prospects is none other than Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields. Justin Fields has his entire career ahead of him, and we're going to find out how good that career is going to be or not be this year. Look, the first couple of years, there were reasons why Justin Fields wasn't what everybody in Chicago hoped. You know, the, the they had coaching issues his first year, and – the coach was the head coach was fired last year and under a new regime. There wasn't any talent around him. That can't be said anymore. Chad, they, the bears went out and got DJ Moore, Donta Foreman, um, uh, Robert Tanyan. They fixed the offensive line. Supposedly their defense is solid. There is no reason why Justin Fields doesn't take a leap this year, except Maybe he's a guy that just isn't going to take a leap. If he doesn't, that's an issue. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit to this of even if there was an excuse, no one's going to want to hear it when you're the investment that Justin Fields is with that Bears organization. Now, he hasn't had a great opportunity based on surrounding cast, um, but they're definitely – I think you said leap – Maybe not leap. There has to be a, at least a sizable step up, if even not a leap, to get some no, level man, of confidence leap. going. You want a full leap. leap. You want I like an Olympic-level leap in this thing. I'm not confident he's he going to get there, 11? even with the sur- surrounding cast. I'm not sure he's going to get there with the leap. But he, he's got to take a step like up. 11 touchdown passes last year? Leap. Yeah. If you don't have 27, 28, you're not good. Leap. 22 would be a step, which may leave a little bit more purgatory there for Justin Fields. But okay. I, I, get, I get your point. I get what you're saying. Number two on Armando Salguero's list. This is Armando's list, so I'll leave it up to him to decide. Prove it year prospects. Number two on the list. None other than the Prince of New York, the Prince of Gotham himself, 
Aaron Rodgers. What does Aaron Rodgers need to prove this year, Armando? That he's worth it. That he can handle the big market. That he is worthy of all the attention that he has already gotten and is bound to get. Look, this is a a multiple-time MVP. We know he's good and been good. But is he raise a team, put it on his shoulders, and take it to the Super Bowl good? Because that, that is the plateau that he almost needs to reach to be worth the multiple draft picks and, you know, the huge $50 million a year contract that he is under. It's, it is, it is, if there's one player under the spotlight, under the microphone, under the microscope this year in the NFL, it is none other than Aaron Rodgers. There is no one else that comes close, not even Patrick Mahomes, because we know Patrick Mahomes is great. And we know that he can take a team to the Super Bowl, even when Tyree Kill is in Miami. But Aaron Rodgers, it's been, you know, 12 years since you were at the Super Bowl. And last year wasn't exactly good for you. You didn't even make the playoffs. Are you buying or selling the Jets hype coming into this season? I like the Jets. I like the Jets. Um, You know, I don't like their offensive tackles. (laughs) which is a bad situation if you have a 39-year-old quarterback. Your two tackles are big question marks. But they have a great defense. They have a great defensive coach as a head coach. They have talent. Garrett Wilson is great. Brees Hall, all positive on his uh, rehab. I like them outside of their two offensive tackles. Number one, Armando's player, person under pressure list. Number one on the list is, there was the drum roll, I love it, Mike McCarthy. I don't think Absolutely. you're going to find much argument with this one, Armando, for him being number one on the list. Mike McCarthy wins, gets to the uh, playoffs, does some damage in the playoffs. Dak Prescott is not a disaster. He stays employed. Mike McCarthy doesn't get the Cowboys to the playoff. Mike McCarthy doesn't make uh, Dak Prescott not lead the NFL in interceptions. Mike McCarthy makes that offense sing because he's now the offensive play caller and it's his system. Mike McCarthy is going to be looking for a new job after after the season. Well, and it's kind of the same question I'd ask you about the Jets. You know, expectation versus reality – but then reality versus expectation in the mind of Jerry Jones about his own team and his own product that he has picked and hand-selected, I think can also be two very different things. Because I don't think it's just good enough to get to the playoffs in Jerry Jones' mind right now, right? It, it seems to me it's got to be more than that. I don't know if it's Super Bowl or bust. That's a, that's a tough you know, barrier to reach, but... I don't know. It feels like even more than the playoffs may be necessary for McCarthy, which is why I love him at number one on this list. Yeah, absolutely. He has to do damage in the playoffs. Getting to the playoffs, yeah, okay, you did that last year and the year before, and it's it's not good enough for, you know, America's team. Not anymore. And not good enough for your general manager who believes he's stocked you with a lot of talent. And honestly, he has and not good enough when the general manager happens to also own the team. 
So once again, Armando's prove-it-year list in the NFL. Number five, Jimmy Garoppolo with the Raiders. Number four, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings. Three, Justin Fields with the Bears. Two, Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Number one, Mike McCarthy. If I had to put a number one, we could have a further discussion on this at some point, Armando, but another one uh, in the team category, I think it lines up perfectly with your one and two with Cowboys Jets in either order in terms of teams that have to prove it uh, this, this upcoming year based on expectation. And, and by the way, this, I mean, we're limited to five. There's a bunch of people who are huge names in the NFL that have to prove some stuff this year. Josh Allen has to prove some stuff. Russell Wilson has to prove some stuff. Uh, Tua Tunga Bailoa has to prove some stuff. Uh, Derek Carr has to prove some stuff. Deshaun Watson has to prove some stuff. Lamar Jackson, he of the I'm going to throw for 6,000 yards, has to prove that he can throw for 4,000 yards. You know, I mean, Trey Lance. So there are guys that are not on this list, and there are definitely teams, the Buffalo Bills among them, that have a lot of stuff to prove. It's stuff-proving year in the NFL, Chad. It's, uh, it's also talk season uh, across sports right now. This is known as the desert of sports to some that are really only into certain sports. Uh, it can be a long and boring summer for some, and even spring for others, depending on what sports you're into. And one of those people just may be Armando Salguero, um, and we're going to get into that when we come back and how this portion of the sports calendar is starting to run out because of what we're going to start seeing next week. So we'll talk about Armando Salguero's long national nightmare and how it's going to end very, very soon. We'll talk about that very, very soon. We'll talk about it in the next segment. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network.